Our first reading is from Colossians 2, starting to read at verse 6, and you'll find it on page 1118 of the Church Bibles. Colossians 2, verse 6. Spiritual fullness in Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your sinful nature was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And if you are unable, would you please stand for the Gospel, which is from Luke chapter 11. Very familiar passage, I'm sure. And you can find that on page 984. Luke 11, starting at verse 1. Jesus teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you will open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. We give you thanks for your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Do you really believe and trust that God listens to our prayers? Do you expect a response to your prayers? Or do you think that prayer should only be about those big issues that are going on around the world? There's so much to think about, isn't there? It comes at us all the time in the news. Or do you think that God couldn't possibly be interested in matters of your everyday life? Some years ago, I was involved in prayer visiting which meant uh, sending a letter round to people on a certain street, telling them that we were coming round to invite prayer requests. But very often when we knocked on the door and asked for their requests, the response we got was, well, it's too selfish to pray about anything for for ourselves. Uh, Pray for the world in general. And that's about as far as it got. In our gospel reading, Jesus teaches his disciples a model prayer. They'd often seen him praying to his heavenly father in an intimate and obviously attractive way. So different from their formal prayers and the rituals that they went through in the synagogue or temple. That model prayer is what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. And part of that prayer was to ask God for our daily bread. Jeff Lucas writes, Most of us live in a world of overstacked supermarket shelves. And so the idea of requesting bread to get us through the day is somewhat lost on us. While we should remember that we are in a minority in today's economically unbalanced world and that for many the prayer for some daily bread would be entirely the right request, we can still include ourselves in this prayer. Bread is the symbol for the basic necessities of life. Martin Luther said that daily bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the preservation of life. As he said, daily bread represented food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. But for most of us, no angelic delivery service or Elijah and the Ravens type miracle is required in order that our needs are met. Why pray for daily bread? When we pray about our everyday lives, we are acknowledging that although we work in order to see our needs met, ultimately our confidence and sense of security is not placed in us and in our ability to make ends meet, but 
in God. Well, I've found in well over 30 years as a committed Christian that I can take whatever is concerning me to God. I can talk to him about it in prayer. And I've seen some amazing answers to prayer over the years. They don't always come in the way that we think they will. God ultimately knows what's best for us. At one time, I had some very serious eye trouble, and I had to go to hospital for a very important operation. I'd never been in hospital before, and I have to admit, I'm very squeamish as it comes. But then at each subsequent operation, I had to go through a series of operations. I prayed, and I really felt at peace because I felt God was there with me. It gave me a real sense of his peace. And I'm glad to say that the operations were successful. And I'm glad to say that my eyesight's much better than it's been for most of my life so far. When it came time for me to retire, we needed a family house. I could no longer live in a vicarage. The diocese wouldn't put up with that <laughs> for very long. So I prayed about it, and the answer uh, didn't come immediately. I looked around at several places. But eventually I looked in the right place. And as soon as I looked at the, the house where we now are, I knew that that was right for us. And so it's proved, because we're very happy here. Jeff Lucas again says, God is interested in us and in all our stuff. It's important to remind ourselves of this, lest we begin to see prayer as a spiritual activity that needs to be done. Well, simply because it needs to be done. A bit like the spiritual equivalent of brushing our teeth twice daily. When we treat prayer like this, it becomes a task without purpose except that we feel that we've done the Christian thing by engaging in it. The beautiful news is that in a world where we can feel lost in the crowd, a mere digit in the great overflowing database called Earth, there is one who wants to listen to us with genuinely avid interest. So let's not be afraid to bring those things on our mind to God. He will never get bored from hearing from us. After teaching the model prayer, Jesus goes on to give them two pictures to explain what prayer to God is like. So first of all, he gives this account of a person caught out at night by sudden unexpected visitors. Middle Eastern hospitality demanded that you play, place food and drink before any visitors who came. And these people had come on a journey, so they needed refreshment when they arrived. This person's cupboards are bare. Help. What can he do to give them the required hospitality? he decides to go and knock on a friend's door to ask for help. 
or the friend is tucked up and dozing with his family. The family would have slept together in one room. The knock on the door would have disturbed the whole family, especially when the man of the house went to answer his friend. The man was reluctant to answer, even though the one at the door was his friend. But the other wouldn't give up. He was determined to get help from his friend. So in the end, the friend gave in and supplied what was needed. Tom Wright comments, what counts is persistence. There are all sorts of ways in which God isn't like a sleepy friend. But Jesus is focusing on one point of comparison only. He is encouraging a kind of holy boldness, a sharp knocking on the door, an insistent asking, a search that refuses to give up. That's what our prayer should be like. This isn't just a routine or formal praying, go through the motions as a daily or weekly task. There is a battle on a fight with the powers of darkness. And those who have glimpsed the light are called to struggle in prayer for peace, for reconciliation, for wisdom, for a thousand things for the world and the church, perhaps 102 for one's own family, friends and neighbours, and perhaps a dozen or two for oneself. At the start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to address God as our Father. In the final verses of the Gospel passage, Jesus strongly makes the point of how different our Heavenly Father is compared to human parents. So he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Well, surely no father would be that cruel. Jesus uses the heavy Jewish exaggeration to make his point. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? These vivid pictures remind us that God is not the mean-minded tyrant we're so often tempted to portray him. He cares for us. He cares for you. He cares for me. And he's ready to give the best gift of all, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the presence of Christ to us. He dwells in the heart of the Christian to prompt us to pray and to do what's necessary to build our relationship with God. These words from the end of a meditation by David Middleton help to illustrate these last few verses. He writes, Father, I remember my toddlers asking for things that seemed so good in their eyes. Yet being a loving father, I knew that the fish they asked for was really a snake, and the egg was a scorpion in disguise. 
I couldn't give these so-called good gifts to my children, no matter how much they cried. Yet as my toddlers continued to plead, my heart would slowly melt. I knew I would eventually give in to their misguided, shameless and persistent cries. I couldn't give them the so-called good things they wanted, but willingly I gave to meet their genuine needs. So God, teach me to pray. Teach me to be shameless and persistent like my toddlers. And I'll not give up asking or seeking or knocking. Though often misguided, I ask that through our conversations, I will be more able to discern your will. Teach me to pray aright and grant me your Holy Spirit to guide. So we come back to the questions that I started with. Do you really believe and trust that God listens to our prayers? Do you expect a response to your prayers when you pray? Do you trust that there will be a response? Do you think that prayer should only be about those big issues going on in the world? Do you think that God couldn't possibly be interested in the matters of your everyday life? A tale is told about a small town that had historically been dry. But then a local businessman decided to build a tavern. A group of Christians from a local church were concerned and planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. It just so happened that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church, claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible. The presiding judge, after his initial review of the case, stated that no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. Let us be Christians who do believe in the power of prayer. Christians who can trust our needs each and every day to our loving Heavenly Father. He will not give us what would be wrong or harmful. He wants what is best for us. And he is always ready to listen to us. So finally, I quote the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians saying, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.